Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Spend just a short time in here this morning and then we're going to go enjoy a beautiful barbecue and fellowship and being the church. I was telling someone, you know, we're really having extended church today. We're just, we're just starting in here. And church is going to extend that way afterwards. And actually, if you, if you want to stay in here, there's going to be setting up tables and it's going to be nice and cool in here. It's going to be warm on the other side, but it's still church because the church is who? Us, the people, right? The people. And in Ephesians 4, verses one, uh, starting verse 1, we've been walking through these verses together. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to believers in Ephesus, I urge you, I beseech you, I beg you to live a life worthy of of the calling you have received. We saw that he's begging the believers, hey, just have your walk match your talk. Just have what you believe be lived out. It's a picture of a scale, of a scale. Just have it in balance. Let your walk match your talk, right? Verse 2, we saw be completely humble and gentle. We really saw that was meekness, strength under control, a thoroughbred, a stallion, right? Be completely humble and meek. Be patient right? Patient, which is having a long-tempered versus a short fuse, right? We looked at that in depth a couple weeks ago. Be patient, bearing or forbearing with one another in what? Love, love, right? And then verse 3 really ties into what we get to experience and live out in just a few minutes uh, afterwards at the, at the barbecue. Look at verse 3. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Right. So we said, okay. the apostle was like, hey, have your walk, match your talk. Now, here's your first steps. Humility. Meekness. Patience. Forbearance. And then he says the next step is make every effort. Everyone say make every effort. Now, remember, he's not talking to the pastor. Who's he talking to? Okay, make it personal. Oh, me. He's talking to me. He's talking to the church. He says, make every effort. That that make every effort is exert maximum effort. It's have an intense purpose. Follow that with intense action. It's zealous diligence. It's eagerness. Okay? He's saying, hey, church. Hey, believers. I want you to be eager about something. I want you to, to exert maximum effort into something. Here, here it is. Make Every effort, exert maximum effort, zealous diligence to do what? Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. To keep the unity. Isn't that interesting? Be completely humble. Be meek. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. And then exert maximum effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. The unity of the Spirit, we're going to look more at this verse next Sunday. The unity of the Spirit, in, in a nutshell, is the church. Is the church, right? In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it says this. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So he's saying, hey, saints, hey, church, you are to exert maximum effort to keep 
maintain the unity of the church. Now, notice it doesn't say create. It says to keep. In some version, it says maintain. We're not creating unity. When you put your faith in Christ, you were baptized into the body of Christ. You were baptized into the church. This verse says you, you and I, again, this isn't the pastor's job, right? This isn't my job. This is our job to exert maximum effort to keep what was already created by the Spirit. It's a, it's a positional truth. Positionally, we are unified in Christ. Amen? Positionally, there is a unity in Christ through faith in Christ, the new covenant. He says, church, exert maximum effort to keep that unity. Question, how many of you find it hard to keep harmony and accord in your own house? With one. Anyone challenged with unity and accord and harmony with one person? Then you add kids. Right? How about unity, harmony, accord at work? <laughs> yeah, I got it, right? On your sports team, in your club. How about unity, harmony, accord with your friends? Right? Now, here's the crazy thing. He says that we're supposed to have unity, harmony, accord, oneness as a church. So look at the person next to you and say, "Roll, roll." <laughs> roll, roll, Reggie. Because I love what, what, what one comment says. There is always danger of discord when men are brought together in one society. There are so many different tastes and habits. There is such a variety of intellect and feeling. The modes of education have been so various, and the temperament may be so different that there is a constant danger of division. Then you throw in the devil, right? Then you throw in persecution. Then you throw in bad church experiences. Then you throw in just not having a good day. Anyone just not ever ha- not have a good day at home? How'd that work out for unity and harmony when you just weren't having a good day? Right? On Sundays, sometimes it's all you can do to get here. You may not have, be having a good Sunday, but you're here, right? And so it's hard enough with one. How many of, of you married folk know that marriage takes maximum effort? We go through the ceremonies. We exchange vows. Oh, we're in covenant. We're united. We're one in Christ. And then, the morning after. How many can attest? How many ever, when you were thinking about getting married or just were married or maybe been married, someone said, you know, it takes hard work. It takes effort. It's not just going to happen on its own, even with kids. It's not. Think about now the church. The church, we're supposed to be unified, have harmony, accord, oneness as a church. And you don't even know most of the people in here, maybe. I mean, I look and I'm like, Lord, whoo, wow, glad that's not the pastor's job. <laughs> Whose job is this? Ah, Whose job is this to exert maximum effort to keep the unity of the church? Uh my, no, don't say me, because I'll put it right back on you, bro. <laughs> Am I sensing division? <laughs> Security. Uh, but, um, 
you're eating last, Pat. All right. So, so here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, and we're going to talk about this verse. But it, it's so wonderful in light of what we're about to do. Have koinonia, have fellowship. But it's more than that. Because everyone in the church is an active participant. There is no passivity. There is no armchair quarterbacking in the church. If you're in, baptized into the church as a believer, you have a role to play. Now, oftentimes we say you have a role to play, what's your gifting, and we want to slot you somewhere. And I encourage you to pray about, if this is your home church, where God wants you to serve with the gifts he's given you. Amen? That, that's your responsibility. But on a broader scale, this verse says, hey, church, and we're not just talking about the well. We're talking about the church in general. Believers, exert maximum effort to maintain, keep the unity of the church. Now, that can be played out in whatever local fellowship that you're in, but there is a broader application because he's talking about the church in general. And why is this important? Because there's this tendency, you know, I've been in ministry about 28 years. There's this tendency, right, where we, I don't know what we do. We idealize church, right? But a lot of people have been hurt. A lot of people have been disappointed. A lot of people have had unmet expectations about the church. And unfortunately, what's heartbreaking to me is when those feelings get hurt and toes get stepped on and someone says something and the pastor upset me and da 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 rather than trying to work it out and maintain and keep the unity, people are just, they just choose to leave and do their own thing. I'll watch on TV, right? Now they're watching on TV because, yeah, the church, the church, the people at the church, you know, it's clicky, they're not nice, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? And then sometimes I want to say, but what are you doing? What part are you playing? How are you helping to maintain the unity? It's easy to throw rocks at the church. It's real easy. What's challenging, though, is that the way that this verse is written, make every effort in in the Greek uh, grammar, it's called the active voice, which means this. It's a volitional choice we have to make as a church, as a church member, meaning the big church. It is a choice you and I have to make as believers whether or not we're going to exert our effort into keeping the unity of the church or we're going to bail. It's just choice. It's a choice. Right? You often hear me say, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. Why? Because you'll mess it up. I mean, we tend to kind of think really highly of ourselves. Well, you know, if I was the pastor, you know, I had this friend who went to a pastoral intern program and he graduated, went to another church in San Bernardino. He was an attender, but he was ready to be a senior pastor. And he sat, he told me this story. I sat there for weeks and months and months and I sat there and go, man, if that pastor would only do this, 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 this church would blow up, it would grow. And he goes, you know what happened? The pastor left. They asked me to be the senior pastor. He goes, you know what? I tried everything that I thought was going to work. None of it worked. It all bombed. I'm like, yeah, bro, it's easy to armchair quarterback. It's a lot different when you're in the mix. See, positionally, guys, we're all in the mix. And positionally, we all have a responsibility for the Lord to maintain, keep the unity of the church. Amen? Will the church at some point let you down? Will someone around here probably say something that steps on your toes? Will you say something that might hurt someone? Will you probably step on someone's toes in this church? Yes. 
If it hasn't already happened, it probably will. That role right there is guilty of a whole lot of it. But they're unified. They still sit together. That's beautiful, right? So, so what's the starting point? What's the starting point? How do we collectively get to this place? Because, you know, because a lot of us come to church and we're like one foot out the door. I like the music. I like the kids program. But as soon as something, I knew it. I knew it. I'm out. I've been there. I know. Right? Unity is a beautiful word, isn't it? (laughs) Harmony, accord. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Just a word of encouragement. Uh, Eileen, we'll just go to Ephesians 5. Look at this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. How do we choose to invest ourselves and exert maximum effort into the unity of the Spirit? You've got to remember, Jesus loves the church. How much did Jesus love the church? So before I get too bent on having my feelings hurt and my toes stepped on and my expectations not met and being disappointed by something I don't like, I've got to remember that Jesus loves the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus loves the church and all of its imperfections. And who do you think knows how imperfect the church is? Jesus. It was his plan, guys. It was his plan for people to get saved, be redeemed, be in transformation, and be all put together in the body of Christ called the church. It's his plan. Now you understand in John thirteen thirty four when he says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You see, he knew how crazy the church was. He knew how crazy it would be for us to live in unity and harmony and accord unless it was an act of God. Amen. A supernatural act of the Holy Spirit of us, agape love, self-sacrificially loving one another. And then everyone goes, whoa, how does that how does that half get along with that half? Right. How is that possible? Only possible through Christ. Only possible through Christ, right? Ephesians 2, look at this. I leave, we'll go back to Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Who's he talking about? Jews and Gentiles. Hostility, division, discord. Two groups that wanted nothing to do with each other. By his blood, he says, boom, you're the church. Get along. You think you have a hard time getting along with the person sitting next to you? Jews and Gentiles, first church? What? Are you kidding me? They're here. They're in this too. And he's like, you know what? I love the church. In fact, I love the church so much I shed my blood and I went on that cross. That's how much I love the church. You love the church the same way. Right? So sometimes we just got to take a step back, guys. We just have to take take a step back and go, wow, Lord, okay, okay. I want to be a follower of Jesus. If I want to be a follower of Jesus, that means I want to actually be like Jesus. What is Jesus' view of the church? I love the church. How much do I love the church? I'm willing to die for the church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. 
And then if you call this your church home, the application is to this church home or wherever church you call home. There's a unity that everyone is responsible to keep. There's a unity that everyone in the church is responsible to keep in the church universal, but in every local body, right? That song that we sang, the creed, you guys can come up, right? Great song. Love that song. I believe, Bill, you can come up too. I believe, right? It's a great doctrinal song. But here's the thing. We're going to sing that song again. And I just asked them to change the, ver- the word from I to we. See, unfortunately in the church, the church is kind of bought into the cultural individualistic. It's all about me and Jesus, me and Jesus. I, 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 I. Feed me, give me, take care of me, make me comfortable. I want to grow. I no, no, no. The church is a big we. Amen? So what unites us is being one in Christ. So when we sing this song again with the we instead of the I, listen and participate in it as a part of a bigger we. And sing it unified with the desire to exert maximum effort to keep that unity. Because if you believe this, this unites you in Christ for all eternity. Amen? If you believe this and you're one in in Christ, you're a believer in Jesus, and I encourage you, if you're not a believer in Jesus, just put your faith in Jesus. It's your Lord and Savior. Become part of his family. Here's the great thing. If you're part of Jesus' family, the church, your name's written in heaven. This is an eternal deal. Turn to the person next to me and say, you got me for eternity. With the big smile, you got me for eternity. We are one. We are united. We are the church. Amen? Let's stand together and let's sing this as a collective we.